When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Welcome back to MLB Stop Shop. For daily baseball content, I am LJ LaFura, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good on this Sunday night. We get to record early as Sundays. Usually the last game is wrapping up around uh, 10 or 11 o'clock. So, yeah, very nice that we get an early night tonight, but... LJ, we had a really action-packed day in the league. There were so many different things that I wanted to talk about that I really struggled to, to figure out what to to uh, lead off the show with. But uh, I think we got a pretty good game here to start it. Yeah, let's get down into this. Yeah, I think there were certainly – there were two to me that stood out as clear front runners, and I think we're going to go with them one too. So let's get underway. All right. Uh, the Mariners and the Padres – in the bottom of the second, Fernando Tatis Jr. opens up scoring with a solo home run. 
tied 1-1 bottom six. Tatis singles to give San Diego a 2-1 lead. Uh, they're able to tack on two more runs in that inning, and they take a 4-1 lead into the seventh. Bottom seven, Fernando Tatis steps up and hits a grand slam. Slam Diego is officially back. That is Tatis' second home run on the day to break the game wide open. San Diego wins 9-2. Yu Darvish with the win, now 5-1. Seven innings, seven hits, one run, and five Ks. Anthony Misiewicz with the loss for Seattle. He fails to get an out four innings, or four hits, and three runs. San Diego has won nine in a row and 12 out of 15. They're the first team to 30 wins. They traveled to Milwaukee today. Blake Snell will face Brandon Woodruff. Seattle goes to Oakland. That will be Yusei Kikuchi up against Frankie Montas. LJ, the Padres are red hot right now. Yeah, they're doing exactly the right thing when they needed to. Of course, we're not going into this one right after. However, I mean, they certainly would have liked the Giants to have put up a better fight against the Dodgers this weekend. But hypothetically, if the Dodgers had taken two, if the Giants had taken one, they are in incredible shape here. The Padres are as division leaders and with all of the momentum behind them. All right. Well, the second game that we're going to recap was Sunday night baseball, the Cubs and the Cardinals. This one was scoreless through the first nine innings. Uh, great starts from both Adam Wainwright and Zach Davies. Uh, Wainwright goes eight innings, allowing one hit and one walk. Uh, he only had five swing and miss strikes the entire night, something like 30, 31 called strikes, which mm-hmm. uh, it was quite a large zone tonight, I would say. But uh, as oh, for- the, Brandon, the zone, the zone was wider than Jared before Subway. Let's be real here. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, it was I'm, I'm pretty it was sure really bad. Excursion made like three or four different comments about the zone. It, it was one of the worst um, depth zones I've seen this year. And it, 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 it bit more than a couple of people in the butt. Well, after a scoreless first nine innings, top 10, the Cardinals bring in Alex Reyes, who was sporting a believe 0.4 or 0.3 ERA through 22 appearances this year has been absolutely locked down for them. But Javier Baez takes him deep, a two-run home run to put the Cubs in the lead. Bottom 10, the Cardinals get one run on a sack fly. They're unable to plate the tying run. The Cubs win on Sunday Night Baseball 2-1. to one. Craig Kimbrell gets the win. He goes the final four outs for the Cubs. Alex Reyes takes the loss. All right, we're going to move on into the athletics and the Angels here. The A's got off to quite the start here. They got in the top of the second home runs by Matt Olson and Seth Brown, their 12th and 8th on the year, respectively. And then a RBI by Jed Turner, or Jed Turner, Jed Lowry, um, to make this 4 nothing Oakland. From there, Jared Walsh leads this comeback for the Angels. He homers in the sixth, and then a three-run inning in the seventh brings this game to a tie in the eighth after a Sean Murphy RBI for Oakland. The game is tied 5-5. Five to five. This game gets won when Justin Upton 
takes a sack fly to left field and Taylor Ward comes in to score your final Angels six athletics five. And I believe if I'm correct, that avoids the sweep for them this series against the A's give the win to Rossiel Iglesias. Dylan Bundy went two and a third, allowing four earned runs. The loss will go to Dolis Garcia. Sean Manaya started this game and went five innings, allowing one earned run and six strikeouts. The A's now fall to 28 and 20, and the Angels are now 20 and 27. All right, on to the Dodgers and the Giants. And uh, this was game three of a very big series for both teams. The Dodgers coming in having won the first two and they uh come out very hot they score seven runs in the third inning they get three rbi singles from matt Beatty, chris taylor and julio urias pitchers who rake then gavin lux steps up and hits a grand slam makes it 10-0 dodgers only in the third inning uh the giants are able to get some runs late off of the dodgers bullpen uh, so the score looks a lot closer than it actually was. The Dodgers win 11-5. Julio Urias gets his seventh win on the year. He's now 7-1. and one. He goes six innings, three hits, two runs, and 10 Ks. Anthony DeSclafani takes the loss. This was a blow-up start for him. Two and two-thirds, nine hits, 10 runs. L.A. has, has won seven in a row. They sweep the Giants. Both teams are off today. L.A. will go to Houston, and San Francisco goes to Arizona on Tuesday. Next, we got the Rangers and the Astros. Um, the things kept pretty tame. No runs scored through four innings, and then in the bottom of the fifth, control issues got the best of the Astros as they walk in a run. And then in the seventh, Nick Solak doubles to make this a 2 nothing Texas Texas lead. Top of the eighth comes... And more control issues, except on the other side, the Rangers have one run scoring on a wild pitch, and then an RBI by Michael Brantley ties this game up. However, in the bottom of the 10th, Brandon, I'm not sure if you uh, listened to this part of yesterday's episode. Also, I'm glad to see you're alive. Um, (laughs) uh, What do you call it? Adolis Garcia here has the keys to the car. This may be a only be a Prius that the Rangers have right now, but he has the keys to this Prius and he's driving it like it's a Ferrari. Adolis Garcia singles and drives in the game winning run in the bottom of the 10th. Texas wins this matchup three to two. Give the win to John King. Mike Fultonevich went seven innings of shutout ball. The loss goes to Ryan Presley while Christian Javier went four and two-thirds of an inning, allowing one earned run and five strikeouts. Texas and Houston will both have today off, as Houston now sits at 26-21, and 21, with the Rangers at 22-27, and 27, certainly overperforming our expectations to start the year. Absolutely. Uh, on to the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. Trevor Story and Josh Fuentes hits make it 2-0 Colorado after five. Top six, the Diamondbacks get three runs, two on a Pavin Smith home run to take the lead three to two. Colorado ties the game in the bottom of the eighth on a fielder's choice. Then Trevor Story steps up bottom nine, launches a walk-off home run. The Colorado Rockies win four to three. Give the win to Daniel Bard. 
Uh, John Gray, who got the start for Colorado, six innings, two hits, three runs, and three Ks. Stefan Christian takes the loss out of the Arizona bullpen. LJ, two interesting stats here. Colorado now 16 and 12 at home and 2 and 17 on the road. And Arizona's 3 and 12 in their last 15 games. Well, I'm not um, very well versed on any of the other stats around this Rockies team. However, a potential explanation for that, Brandon, perhaps are we seeing them actually build a team around course? Yes, but like also, I feel like if you're going to build a team around Coors, you're going to get good hitters, and having good hitters does not make you go two and 17 on the road. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is a good team for Coors, more so than just good hitters, you want hitters that are putting the ball in the air a lot. Yeah. So this could be an extremely fly ball team here. Again, I haven't looked at any of those numbers, I have no basis for this. However, I wouldn't be surprised if this team is getting the ball in the air a lot. And, of course, it carries in Colorado. It's not carrying anywhere else. And so offensive production may be down. I don't even actually have – I can check that semi-easily. Uh, uh, so in terms of launch angle, the Rockies sit, like, pretty much right in the, the middle of the league uh, at 12.2. But uh, I absolutely would – Agree with that. Uh, you know, I think that Colorado does need to get a roster with guys who hit the ball in the air. And, you know, with this whole launch angle revolution of sorts that we've had, it only makes sense to uh, build their roster like that. Hit the ball in the air, pitch the ball to the ground. It's a very simple formula for Colorado. And they just need to, they just need to fill out a roster around that. I believe, are we ready to go into the Tigers and Royals? Let's do it. All right. Top of the first, Heimer Candelario and Eric Haas for the Detroit Tigers. Both drive in runs, making this 2-0, a score that would hold through most of the game. Now in the bottom of the ninth, Kansas City trails 2-1 after a run scores in the seventh, and Carlos Santana is up to bat. 1-0 count. He takes a home run along his ninth of the year to center field, scoring two more runs and walking this off for Kansas City. They win this three to two. Give the win to Kyle Zimmer. Chris Bubich of the Royals went five innings, allowing two earned runs. The loss will be given to Michael Fulmer and starter Casey Mize with another incredibly solid start here. Six and a third allowing one earned run and six strikeouts. The Tigers will take on the Indians with Spencer Steel-Yo-Girl Turnbull on the mound. Brandon, these are pretty decent odds to see back-to-back no-hitters. I mean, this is a team that's already been no-hit twice this year, if I'm correct. Yep. Which means it's not out of the realm. They're one of the more likely people to get no-hit here. Who knows if he can turn this back on, if he can have a second start where he goes past the seventh inning and gets all the way with no hits, that would be a story for the ages. Maybe he proposes right that second, even though she is his, his um, love of his life is still married. Yeah. So there has been six, nine inning, no hitters this year. I believe two are, against, two are against the Indians, two are against the Mariners, and two are against the Rangers. 
Who was the first Rangers? Uh, that was Joe Musgrove. Oh, right, right, right. There's been so many that, like, I actually have forgot them all. <laughs> forgot that one. That was that one's that one's the most special one too. I mean, being both being the first and being the team's first, like, yeah. that is one of the more memorable ones. If we ever get around to doing it, like we talked about um, narrowing down which no hitters are legitimate, that one I think certainly goes stays just because i mean not only is it tampa or not tampa san diego's first no hitter but to have a hometown guy do it is just it's beautiful all around i might be kind of spitballing a segment here for the future but what if we looked at like every single no hitter since 2015 and we like ranked them or something which one we think is most impressive to least impressive or something like that what is that that probably gives us what 12 Yeah, uh, let's see. There was two in 2020, so I mean that's a. I I feel like that there's going to be a pretty good amount. Like there's probably three or four per year, on average. I'd have to say. And, it, and it's weird because it always seems to come like right in the middle of the summer. Like not. Oh yeah. Not, not when you've gotten to the dog days where everyone's just like their arms are hanging off of them, but like it always seems to be in like June, early July that the no hitters come. I mean, I can think of one where Henderson Alvarez of the Marlins, it was game 160, game 162. Miami was completely out of it. And it was a 0 0 game. He had a no hitter, but it was still 0 0. Bottom nine, uh, the Marlins walk it off on a wild pitch to complete a no hitter in game 162. That is quite the end of a season absolutely fantastic brandon do we want to get into pirates braves all right uh atlanta takes a 3-1 lead after the first thanks to an austin riley three-run jack riley would hit a two-run home run in his next at bat that gave atlanta a 5-1 lead in the third dansby swanson would cap off a great game for the braves with a home run they beat the pirates seven to one the win to Max Freed, now 2-2 two and two on the year. Seven innings, four hits, and one run. JT Brubaker takes the loss, now 3-4. Three, three and four. Five and a third, seven hits, seven runs, seven Ks. Atlanta's won three in a row. They start a series with Boston on Tuesday. The Pirates start a series with the Cubs Tuesday. All right. Next up, we've got the Rays and the Blue Jays. Brandon, this one did not end pretty. I will not uh, dance around that fact. Uh, Manny Margot drove in the first round of the game before Teoscar Hernandez and Francisco Mejia trade homers, making this 2-1 Tampa. Uh, from there, the Blue Jays are able to carve out themselves a very nice 4-2 lead here after Teoscar Hernandez drove in run and then Randall Grichik brought in two more. Then top of the ninth, everything went south. Brandon, the Blue Jays walk five batters in the ninth inning, allow three runs to be scored in this inning and the entire lineup to come back around. They, they were helpless, and the management did not seem to want to change who was out out there at that point in time they were riding with them and 
it, it did not go well for them. Of course, they score four runs in this inning with five walks, and Tampa Bay wins this six to four. Give the win to Josh Fleming. He went six innings, allowing four earned runs. The loss will be given to Tyler Chatwood. Meanwhile, starter Hinjin Ryu went six and two-thirds, allowing two earned runs and seven strikeouts. The save will go to J.P. Fireisen, who, if I am correct, Brandon, yeah, he was the guy in the Milwaukee trade. Yep, he was one of the pitchers that came over in the Willie Adamas trade. Fantastic to see him already producing. You knew that they would put... Honestly, I feel like with, with the way Tampa operates, they're only going to bring in guys that they feel could close. I mean, every, everyone on this team closes. Yeah. And we're not even talking about how they're possibly their, their best pitcher last year. Nick Anderson mm-hmm. has been out for the, for the whole year. He's not going to pitch this year, but they still have the likes of, uh, Diego Castillo, Pete Fairbanks, and then now they trade for J.P. Fireisen, who I talked about a couple uh, of episodes ago. I mean, this guy's baseball savant page is ridiculous. He's been so good this year, and to see him go to the Rays is uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. But LJ, I think me and you can stand on some common ground here when we say uh, – we both have a right to be very mad at Toronto uh, as Yankees and Red Sox fans. Tampa winning 10 in a row right now is certainly not the most ideal situation for, for both of our teams. No, you know, this is such a tight packed division right now. I mean, again, at the same time, you don't want to overblow this. If it's going to be such a tight division with a bunch of high records, then you're going to be in a good position come Memorial Day, no matter what, whether you're in first or third, you're going to still be in a very good position. Mm -hmm. However, if you're trying to either grab that lead just for momentum or hold on to that lead uh, as long as you can, if you're the Red Sox, you can't have games get completely thrown away like they did. The Blue Jays legitimately threw this game away. I mean, I'm not saying they threw the game, but they threw the game away by just letting um, the one that was the issue here was Travis Bergen, who ended up finishing that inning. He walks three of the five. Tyler Chatwood goes two of the five. And of course, puts on all of the runners that scored. So he's the one who gets pegged with the loss here. However, uh, Bergen could not find strike zone. It was evident and they had no intentions of pulling him. So, yeah, Tampa. And, and, and they were winning. I mean, this is an above yeah. 500 team with playoff aspirations that just threw away a game against a, a divisional opponent that's going to be competing with them all year. Uh, Tampa has won 10 in a row. Toronto's lost five in a row. And uh, these two meet again tomorrow. Tampa looking for the, for the sweep. Uh, for the love of God, please, Toronto, pull out one, one win. That's all we ask. Yeah, exactly, because, I mean, honestly, everybody else is playing great ball, and we just want some form of space somewhere around here. All right, on to the Brewers and the Reds. The Brewers took a 5-0 lead, top of the third on Avasayel Garcia home run. Jesse Winker goes yard, bottom third to stay red hot. Uh, More on him later, but it wasn't enough. The Brewers pick up a 9-4 W. You can give the win to Brad Boxberger. 
Freddie Peralta, four and two-thirds, three hits, two runs, and seven Ks. Luis Castillo takes the loss. He's now one and seven on the year. Five innings, five hits, five runs. Milwaukee plays San Diego today. The Reds take on the Nationals Tuesday. All right, next up we have the Twins and the Indians here. And Brandon, the name that is synonymous with falling just short, Jose Ramirez starts scoring here in the bottom of the first with an RBI double. Eddie Rosario singles again, making this 2-0 Cleveland, and then eventually 3-0 Cleveland in the second. From there, in the fourth, Minnesota puts up five runs on that inning, including a Max Kepler home run. And from there, the Cleveland Indians are able to make it back into this game with an Ahmed Rosario triple and a Jordan Luplo sacrifice hit. And then, so then we go into extras after that Luplo bunt in the ninth. Top of 10, Kyle Gerlich. Homers, his second on the season to center field. This one scores three runs and Cleveland was not coming back from this one. No more tricks up their sleeve. The Twins get this win eight to five. Give the win to Hansel Robles. Half foot and mouth went six innings, allowing four earned runs and 10 strikeouts. The loss will be given to James Karinchak and the save to Tyler Duffy. Matt Shoemaker and the Twins will take on John Means and the Orioles. This is an odd, odd um, little collection of cross, crossing paths. Of course, the Indians go on to take um, Spencer Turnbull, who just threw a no-hitter. And then the Twins have to go face John Means, who's recently thrown a no-hitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's, if, if there was a pitcher to do it twice, I mean, arguably Carlos Rodon or John Means has been the best guy who's thrown a no-hitter this year. I mean, I'd say that those two are number two and number three in the AL Cy Young right now behind Garrett Cole. I can't say. Yeah. All right, um, on to the Mets and the Marlins. Miami scored five in the second, getting three RBI singles. Uh, one from Cody Poteet, who is the Miami starter. Pitchers who rake Jazz Chisholm and Jesus Aguilar added the other two hits. The Mets are unable to do anything on offense except for a Wilfredo Tovar RBI single. They dropped this one 5-1. Cody Poteet takes the W for Miami. Seven innings of shutout ball, allowing only three hits and striking out four. Jordan Yamamoto takes the loss for the Mets. Now one and one on the year. Four innings, six hits, three earned. The Mets take on Colorado today, and the Marlins host the Phillies. Zach Eflin takes on Trevor Rogers. Next, we have the Red Sox and the Phillies. The Phillies got out to an early 4-0 lead in the first off. Hoskins, RBI, and Miller, Homer. A Franchi Cordero home run and Rafi Devers piss missile got Boston on the board, but they fall six to two. Give the win to Zach Wheeler, who goes seven and a third, allowing one earned run and 12 strikeouts. The loss will be given to Eduardo Rodriguez. He goes four innings, allowing four earned runs and six strikeouts. The Phillies will, of course, take on Trevor Rogers and the Marlins. All right. Uh, I got the last two games. 
Uh, first, the White Sox and the Yankees. The Yankees take a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the first as Glaber Torres had a 2-RBI single, trailing 3-0, top 6. Jose Abreu goes yard to make it a one-run game for Chicago. Both teams exchange runs as Yasmani Grandal goes deep for the White Sox. Uh, they'd still trail 4-3. Top of the ninth, the Yankees bring in a Aroldis Chapman in a save situation. Uh, he blows the save, allows his first earned run on the year on an Andrew Vaughn game-tying home run. Uh, in the bottom of the ninth, Tony LaRussa stupidly chooses to not use his closer in a tie game. Instead, lets Aaron Bummer load the bases with no outs, and then he opts for his... And yeah, and then he opts for his uh, $54 million closer. Uh, you know, I think the reason why he did this is because there is an unwritten rule that says you don't use your closer in a tie game on the road. Uh, you know, that's like a, I just feel like that's terrible advice. Like, why is that an unwritten rule, first of all? Secondly, with the way that, uh, guys are uh, managing their their bullpens now some teams like we were just talking about with with the rays they don't have a set closer this is like a situation where i don't know i feel like if you have a guy like liam hendricks who's been so dominant over the past couple of years not bringing him in to hold the game at four and, and send it to extra innings is pretty dumb especially because with the new extra inning rules, it's like basically a coin flip as to who's going to win. So wouldn't you rather opt for your good pitcher? I don't know. I mean, I'm saying this as a Yankees fan, but. Yeah, honestly, like the thing for me is with these new extra innings, first off, again, I still stand by the fact that I genuinely like them, especially after it, it, it not only does it keep excitement, but it gets you out of bad games. I thought the Cubs Cardinals game was a fantastic game. However, the last couple innings of that game dragged on so badly. It was like watching paint dry. And so we get into the final, into the extra innings, and I'm like, oh, thank goodness we have the runner on at second base because it'll make the ending more decisive. But Brandon, to answer your question is yes. Ideally in baseball, again, it's a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You can't, ha- you ideally don't want to have your pitchers taking more innings than necessary. So you want to end this as decisively as possible if it even has to go into extra innings. That's why you bring your closer in in the 10th with the new extra innings rules because by any um, standard baseball, like, you know, bunt, sack, fly, all of that, you should be able to score that first runner. And for most relievers, unless they have a bad start, a bad time, they're going to be able to keep it from being they're going to keep it at one run. Like a good, a good outing will be one run scored in that inning by a normal reliever. However, with the closer, you've got your best guy out there. You have a legitimate chance to leave that runner stranded. So if you're able to leave the runner stranded, that's, that's the, that's the way you see the majority of these extra innings games ending now is you have a zero in the first column and then the home team literally just has to bunt and sack fly bringing that that one runner and they win the game if you have an opportunity to go in there and put a zero on the board you have to do it and 
if your closer is your best bet, your closer is your best bet. Well, so they bring in Hendricks with the bases loaded and no outs. Aaron Judge is the next batter. Uh, he walks them. The Yankees win on a walk-off walk. The first walk-off in Aaron Judge's career. Araldis Chapman takes the win. Jameson Tyone, five innings, two hits of scoreless ball, striking out four for the Yankees. Aaron Bummer takes the loss. Dallas Keuchel went four innings, allowing one run, four strikeouts, and six hits. The Yankees sweep the White Sox. They've won six in a row in 12 out of 15. Chicago starts a series with the Cardinals today. The Yankees have an off day, and then they'll host Toronto. And then on to the last game. Um, actually, we... before you um, – oh, yeah. I did pull up that stat on a Tampa, and it's actually it's surprisingly more impressive than I thought it was in terms of me saying that everyone closes. Legitimately, everyone closes. <laughs> um, basically, every single pitcher that doesn't open – Closes or follow closes. And some um, of those guys open and close, right? Like I'm sure that they're, they're the nine to five type. Well, I'm 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 sure that there's some pitcher on there, or I yeah. actually I'm not sure, but I have to assume there's someone who has a game started who's also gotten a save this year. Yeah, I believe yeah, Andrew Kittredge would. Um yeah, so here we've got um Diego Castillo, of course, is the leader and leader of the group eight. And then you got Pete Fairbanks with one, Andrew Kittridge with two, JP Fireisen with one now, Jeffrey Springs with two. And then looking through the rest of this bullpen, you've got Ryan Thompson, the rule, their rule five pick this year. He doesn't have one, but I mean, that's kind of to be expected. He's one of the um, leader option, leader options in the bullpen. But then from there, you got Colin McHugh and Josh Fleming, who are both followers. Yeah. They're, they're, they're big innings, guys, not closing material. So I'm really not surprised at all to see this, but I didn't actually think I would be right. Well, on to the last game, the Orioles and the Nationals. Both offenses got it going in the first, Baltimore scoring three and Washington scoring four. Most notably, a two-run home run by Kyle Schwarber for the Nats. Baltimore would tie the game top three on a sack fly that made it four to four. Bottom four, the Nats retake the lead on a sack fly of their own. Washington allows a run late, but they hold on to win six five. Patrick Corbin with the win, five and two thirds, 11 hits in four runs. Uh, certainly not the best line for the win, but uh, he'll take it. The loss to Matt Harvey, four and two-thirds, nine hits, and five earned runs. Brad Hand gets his seventh save on the year, and the Nationals sweep the Orioles, who have lost six in a row and nine, nine of their last ten. The Nats play the Reds Tuesday, and the Orioles play Minnesota today. Yeah, honestly, at this point, could Baltimore just cut Matt Harvey, put him out of his misery? The, these are just these are ugly, ugly starts at times, and also it works into something we're going to be talking about at the end of this show that I'm very excited about. But let's get into the PPP particular players people may care about. Brandon, I think it'll be probably easiest to just go three and three today, so yeah. I will get started with something I'm genuinely getting irritated with. I would like to know who from the Chicago Cubs 
is paying ESPN for their commentary <laughs> because I have seen nothing but negative commentary around Javi Baez for the past like three months. Brandon, you can back me up here. Everyone's been so like over overwhelmed with his swing and miss rate, his strikeout percentage that it's like it's consumed all of the conversation around Javi Baez. Javi Baez, who's still an incredible player and a, a great productive player in this league. He currently in his career only has one season over 60 games where he's had a below 100 OPS. That was 2016, and it was a 94. It was not nearly that bad. I understand that on paper it's not good to have a player strike out as much and at the same rate that he does. However, if it works, it works. This is clearly an all-star in Javi Baez. He clearly deserved the honors that he's gotten. So can we stop like overblowing this these strikeouts and get back to the fact that he plays really good baseball when he especially when he makes contact? I mean, we saw it tonight where yeah. he crushed a ball to center. I mean, they, they've over they've overblown it to such an extent. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. It, you can't help but wonder, like, I mean, I'm not saying that the, that the Cubs are actually paying them, but, like, it, it, it feels like they are in the way that they're, they're dropping his media value. Yeah, uh... Look, I think yeah, because I mean he's yeah he's up for contract this year, right? Yeah, and uh, Jed Hoyer, the president of baseball operations for the Cubs, said that there's no current extension talks, so it looks like that they're gonna let him walk. Um, the, what they are talking about with Javi Baez, LJ. I mean, I have his stats pulled up here. He had a terrible 2020, and has been a really productive hitter in 2021. Yes, he's striking out a lot, but his strikeouts are the majority of the outs that he makes. It's not like he's also getting out a lot too. I mean, he's when when he gets out, it's more than likely by strikeout, which I don't, I'm not sure if people realize, but or if ESPN realizes this, but just about everyone strikes out like a crap ton now. I mean, just like, you know, it's, it's ridiculous that they aren't talking about this guy who is having an absolutely bounce-back season. I mean, he's raced his OPS since last year almost 200 full points. I mean, I don't know why there's so much negative or rhetoric uh, surrounding him when he is a fantastic player. I mean, I, I, I just feel like 
when you're a guy like that and you have one season where you're in serious MVP conversation, you're expected to to keep up that production year after year. And it's just it's in a sport like the MLB, it's very hard to to do that over over season by season. Well, Brandon, with the exception of his um I mean the granted yard, this season is not on that level, but his 2019 was certainly up to snuff with his 2018 yeah. number when he finished second in the MVP. They weren't that far off from that. Of course, OPS plus tells a little bit more of a different story than anything else. But right now, I mean, this is a guy that really struggled at the beginning of the year and is really coming too. So with even with the strikeouts, I could see him making it up to 270 batting average. I can certainly see him getting up into the three teens in on base percentage. And if you do that, you're basically he's basically on pace then with every other season he's had. So that's overrated. And then you look at it, let's project out his strikeouts. Right now he's sitting at 57. So let's call it 60 for the month just to make numbers nice. And so that would be 30 a month. That would pin him at 180, which would only, so we're talking about him only being within 15 to 20 strikeouts of the season. He almost was MVP. Yeah. Why is it this much of a story? It makes no sense to me, but it's all they want to talk about, especially on that bum uh, ESPN, main ESPN broadcast where they, they aren't allowed to talk about anything that actually matters. So yeah, this is just, this just really started to bother me tonight because they talked about it every opportunity they got. And yeah, it's it's like they want to tank his value both in the eyes of the fans and help give ownership a case to not pay him good money. Uh, if I can make one more comment on this, uh, specifically the ESPN commentary, I'm starting to turn a corner with A-Rod. So I used to not like his commentary but tonight lj i mean he correctly predicted like quite a few pitches to the batters that like was the exact pitch i mean i can remember one to chris bryant he said here comes an outside slider and and bryant ripped it into left field and it was an outside slider i mean seeing stuff like that i think is really cool i mean a rod is what people don't think about him is he was actually one of the smartest players in the league. Like, yes, he took steroids and that was dumb. So in terms of a baseball IQ is up there, but in terms of like actual good good choices, it's not the best, but still uh, he's starting to turn a corner with me. And, you know, I think that Matt Baskersian is a fantastic commentator when he's not doing an ESPN broadcast. And then, and it's not his fault. It's just no, it's not. They, and they honestly, do their production. Yeah, and it's not. I don't have any direct. That's the thing. It's like I don't have any direct issue with anyone on that team. It's not like I can flat out say this doesn't work or that doesn't work. It's across the board. It just seems so out there and random half the stuff that goes on in this broadcast and not in a humorous way. Part of this also comes from the fact that these guys are only in the booth together once a week, which again, you have a lot of people with have great chemistry. I'm not saying they don't have great chemistry, 
but you look at the regional broadcasts, these guys are all working four to five days a week on these games. They all sit in the same booth, talk to each other for three and a half hours straight nightly, like similar to what we do. Um, they have a far better chemistry. It doesn't feel the same, nearly the same as the regional broadcasts having a weekly ESPN group. So perhaps they have to find some way to do that. Maybe, just maybe, you maybe don't go with a big name like a Matt Vaskersian. Maybe you don't go with a huge name that has other um, in, in things he has to do, or at least not full-time. Like maybe, maybe A-Rod shouldn't be the full-time color guy for this. Maybe instead you should go with a younger upstart play-by-play and a former player who doesn't have like a lot of other commitments and then try to cut a deal where you have an ESPN plus game four nights a week or two nights a week, and then have the Monday night and Sunday night covered all by the same team. I think that would bring a lot better flow. Of course, bring a whole new production staff in and wipe that slate clean, but there shouldn't be a legitimate difference between your stat cast call and your normal call. The stat cast call shouldn't be significantly more interesting and entertaining to watch than the one that you're putting on your flagship channel. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that ESPN at some point is going to have, well, of course they're going to have to at some point, but Matt Faskersian is the Los Angeles Angels. He's their play-by-play voice on their on their telecast now for, for Bally Sports. Uh, so he already has like a full-time commitment and of course ESPN used to have Dan Shulman in the booth for us for a Sunday nights then he takes a Toronto Blue Jays job so yeah it'll be interesting to see what direction that they move uh bring in Tess and Booger I don't care if they have no expertise I just want to see what they do with baseball I think that's the longest we've ever spent on one individual player for the PPP oh definitely I mean technically yeah I mean I sort of you can sort of say that it was like one player, but then like another. Also, A Rod. A Rod, yeah. Seriously though, honestly, you think? How do you think somebody who has like no expertise in baseball, if you put if you filled a box with them, like if you literally filled the hypothetically, all right, I'm hypothetically filling it with the old Monday Night Football group. However, any group of people that aren't traditional baseball people, do you think that would be entertaining? What, the Sunday Night Baseball? Yeah, like if you filled it with a complete group of randos that like don't, aren't affiliated with baseball. Like if you brought in um, Joe Tessitore, again, is always name to come up. I love Joe Tessitore. Um, Joe Tessitore, uh, Mike Golick Sr., if he was still there, like a bunch of guys from like different areas. I would be interested to see their perspective calling the game. Well, I think the thing would... It wouldn't be pretty, but... Yeah, the thing with thing with baseball is that there's so much downtime, you can get away with not really being an expert in the game. I mean, realistically, you think about all the conversations that they have in the booth, LJ, some of them, I mean, I'd say like a good amount of the conversations don't even relate to anything that's happening on the field or even in that specific like week of games I mean they're talking about random stuff all the time Mm -hmm. I mean because there just is so much downtime I mean you have like 
upwards of 20 seconds in between pitches that, you know, you have to fill somehow. You have these really long form conversations through the innings too, that I think it could be done like that. And it it might be an, an enjoyable product if you have good people in there who also like, want to make it a good product as well yeah i mean again people that are legitimately there to entertain and i I think that's worth a shot for at least like one game because the one thing they can certainly bring anyone that's worked in sports for a while will have some experience with baseball anyone who's loved sports will have experience with baseball but particularly if you work at a spot like espn you're gonna know or have some connection some stories you can share that wouldn't normally get shared in other outlets that you'd be talking Give me Joe Tastatore, Mike Golick Jr., and Jay Billis. One game. That's all I want. Jay Billis. Okay, no. that. No? Let, let's, let's not do Jay Billis. We all right, who do you want the third one in? Oh. All right, I guess Jay Billis, because I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but that's just that was not someone who I was expecting. I'm trying to, I was trying to find somebody that was, like, from another sport. I don't know any of the hockey people, but. Yeah, no. Um, I'll go through the next two quick um, to make up for lost time. Adam Wainwright, again, brilliant day, looked like vintage Adam, and just, you know, pinpoint accuracy will always play well for you because you're going to get guys second-guessing on those corners all night. Next up, we have Craig Kimbrell, who, of course, comes in, gets the win, but in a very odd game for National League, we saw something very unexpected. Brandon, Adam Wainwright, of course, goes th- goes three times through. He gets three at-bats in the game. And then Craig Kimbrell also gets an at-bat in this exact same game, a closer getting an at-bat. And he got flat-out screwed. First off, this is probably the best plate dis- discipline I've seen out of a traditional pitcher who, like, just doesn't get at-bats. I mean, he there, there they were close calls that he was getting right there he took about yeah one swing and then the call he got struck out on was a ball to make it three and two the pitch before exact same spot so again atrocious call by the umpire tonight behind the plate in this sunday night baseball game where it was just it was wide and it was inconsistent all night um this is just another person who was collateral damage to that all right. Uh, my first guy that I want to talk about is Jesse Winker. So he goes yard um, today in the third inning. And with that home run, that was five home runs and nine at-bats for him. Now, LJ, when uh, the Dodgers and the Padres, and the Padres had that series and Fernando Tatis was hitting home runs here and there, that was only five home runs and 11 at-bats. So for, for Jesse Winker to be at five home runs in nine at-bats is uh, very, yeah. very impressive. Of course, the three home runs Friday, the solo home run yesterday, and then the home run today, LJ. That bingo, com- bango, Yahtzee. That completes a bingo, bango, Yahtzee. Bingo. Love it. Thank Bingo. you, Jesse Winker. That is why you are the MLB Daily Hall of Fame pick for the Reds. Brilliance right there. Brilliance. All right. 
My last two are both Yankee picks. You know, I try not to pick the Yankees on here, but they've been playing good ball as of late, and I need to, of course, recognize that. So first guy is is Glaber Torres. Uh, in his last 10 games, he has a slash line of 395, 425, 578. That's a 1.004 OPS. Also add in 11 RBIs. He's been... Easily the best hitter on this team the last week. Um, it seems like teams just can't get him out. The White Sox really struggled this weekend to get him out. He was killing all their pitching. Um, and it's really nice to see him uh, sort of have this breakout week because he had been struggling. I'm not going to lie. Like there had been some plate appearances where I was watching him and he just looked lost at the plate. And he said that he just tried to to uh, simplify his uh, approach. and literally brought it back to see ball hit ball. He said he thinks that he was just like overthinking going almost too much into the analytics where he just said he needed to, to simplify it and it's been working for him. And then my last one is just the Yankees starting pitching uh, over their last five starts. So they went through the rotation one time, all five pitchers, not a single one allowed an earned run in any of their starts. That's 35 consecutive scoreless innings from Yankee starters. Uh, LJ, that is like a pretty crazy thing that I didn't think I'd be saying about the Yankees because heading into the season, you know that I wasn't very high on their the pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, I think there were – that was the thing with this group. I mean, we all knew that there were going to be a couple of really talented divisions this year in the NL West, the NL East, and the AL East. Um, the NL, the NL West, and the AL East have not disappointed. The NL East has been nuts, but going into the season, I think we had the most questions about the AL East. I mean the Red Sox completely rebuilt their pitching staff and much of their depth over the, over the season. The Yankees also rebuilt the majority of their rotation and major key, key pieces in their rotation and stuff looked very different as well. So there's a lot of questions as to if this team could work. I mean, and then you look at the Rays, what, what kind of um, ALCS, AL championship hangover could there be uh, the the fashion in which they lost the World Series, what could that bring in terms of issues? So there were legitimate questions with this AL East, and just about all of them so far have been answered positively in favor of these teams, including the Yankees. All right, uh, let's get on to the leaderboards, and then we have something fun to talk about. Uh, very, very fun. Amazing. Uh, something that's so not uh, MLB baseball but it is better than uh, MLB baseball it is it is better than MLB baseball and then I have one final thing to end out the show but as for the leaderboards war for hitters Vladdy Jr. in the lead with 2.8 behind him is Xander Bogarts and Nick Castellanos at 2.7 for the pitchers it's Garrett Cole at 2.8 Zach Wheeler at 2.3 Jacob DeGrom and Corbin Burns each at 2.2 Nick Castellanos uh, currently has the best batting average at 356. Ronald Acuna still leads in home runs. He has 15. Adalas Garcia and Shohei Otani behind him at 14. 
Trey Mancini for RBIs at 41. And then I did games pitched and games played. Tyler Rogers of the Giants has already appeared in 25 games. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Shred Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. And Isaiah, Isaiah Kiner Falefa for Texas has appeared in or yeah, has appeared in all 49 Rangers games this year. The only player to have played in every single one of his team's games this year. So awesome. Here's to uh, 110 more, 111 more, 113 more, 113 more math. No, not a yes, 113. Yes, 113. Had to had to think about the math there for a minute. So you're the econ one here. <laughs> the math going here. Come on, kid. All right, LJ. I think that this next U-S-A. segment is going to be a U S A U S A U S A U S A. All right, we have the U S A baseball qualifying roster. This will be, of course, the formality to get the United States baseball team into the Olympics this year as we go for gold. This is my favorite baseball team ever. The United States of America always will be far more than the Red Sox because they are the U.S. of A. We have this roster. Um, I don't think we really need to list out the entire thing because that would be pretty boring. However, there's some pretty... There's some pretty interesting names in here, one of which, uh, a couple of which, as far as um, notable veterans here, Brandon, we've got Homer Homer Bailey in the pitching staff, Matt Kemp in the outfield, and the Todd father, Todd Frazier in the infield for this team. Yeah, uh, certainly a great group of, of, of veterans. I think the one that, LJ, you missed is Matt Wieters. I mean, this guy was a four-time All-Star, two-time mm-hmm. Gold Glover. He's probably going to be the starting catcher on this team. Uh, a couple of other names on here. Uh, of course, yeah, love Todd Frazier. Uh, Logan Forsythe, he was on that 2017 Dodgers yeah. team that played in the World Series and actually like played quite a bit in that World Series. Uh, and then, LJ, there's a really good group of prospects that are on this team. I mean, yes, that, that's what my uh, second section was going to be because I am personally excited about a number of the guys on this list. Uh, you um, go ahead. Well, first off, uh, I'm going to start with the interesting section of what if that I got to thinking about, saw it on Twitter earlier today. 
And that was, I was trying to figure out where I knew Matthew Liberatore from. Of course, a pitcher, and I eventually figured out it must have been for me just being around randomly going through different lists because he is currently the number 30 prospect in baseball, a left-hander with the St. Louis Cardinals. But he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays and moved over to the Cardinals during the Randy Arena deal. Wow, okay. Brandon, the Cardinals traded away Adolis Garcia and Randy Arena. Oh my God, that is... I'm, bl- I'm genuinely blanking on who is in their outfield right now, which again, is not yeah. a good look for them. The fact that I cannot immediately name Harrison Bader, Justin Williams, Dylan Carlson. Um, I would certainly rather have um, majority, or I would certainly rather have Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena in that starting lineup over that group. I'm trying to look to see what guys have done here. Yeah, Harrison Bader has not been good. Brandon, if I had to choose here, I take uh, Dylan Carlson out of this group, which is rather exciting because you could legitimately have one of the best young cores in the majors in your outfield. You'd have Dylan Carlson and Adolis Garcia, who are both rookies. Randy Rose, oh, he's still rookie eligible too. That would be three rookies in their outfield if they had not given that up. Well, uh, Matthew... Liberator, like you said, he's the the number thirty prospect in in all of baseball. Also, the Cardinals' number one prospect. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that this guy was a first round pick as well. So, certainly a lot of talent. And uh, overall, this team. I mean, not only him, but LJ. I think there's a couple uh, Red Sox prospects in there that you might be able to give me a little more insight on here, specifically Tristan Casas and Jaron. Durant. Yeah, honestly, this is this was the most exciting thing for me. And it it made things feel a little a little more sensical for the Red Sox seeing them on this list. First off, this is a great opportunity for any prospect to be able to both go play for their country while they don't have um major league ties to them, but also like just to be able to get it up against legitimate legitimate players get to play alongside veterans it's fantastic but of course you got Danny Santana coming up now you have um Christian Arroyo coming back from injury soon they have a lot of position players vying for time on this Red Sox team right now without necessarily clear path of who's going to go where right now I mean it's pretty obvious Franchi Cordero is not long for this roster Michael Chavis will probably, despite having a very good return to the major leagues, be a lose his spot as collateral damage to all of this. But the wild card here was Jaron Duran, who we all expected expected and still expect to come up to the majors this year. Uh, this guy, he is absolutely raking in Worcester right now. I believe it was yesterday or two nights ago. I know it was yesterday or two nights ago. Yeah. Yesterday for us. Um, he went five for five with two home runs and a double, one of which left Polar Park. 
So this guy is more than major league ready, but there's not a clear spot to put him, especially with how great Danny Santana has played coming up. Another utility guy, which this team really loves. So it would be hard to, it's, it's kind of hard to find outfield innings to give him right now. And this will give him time where he does not necessarily have to be in the majors. He can go play for Team USA, make me proud, give me a, get me a gold medal, and then come back for the end of the year with the Red Sox once things have worked out a little more. And then you have another one of the Red Sox top prospects here in Tristan Cassius, who many, many, as much as a lot of people love Bobby Dahlbeck, many people are viewing Tristan Cassius as the future at first base for this team or third base, depending on how things go with JD, whatever ends up happening all along the line. They, the majority of people see him with a future on this Red Sox team. So to be able to see him in action with legitimate players around him and against him is going to be very exciting for both of these guys to really see them against top competition. Yeah, and Cassius. Uh, so let's say, say Cassius. Cassius, yes. Cassius. Okay, he um has played on the Team USA team, both the U18 and U15 team. So that goes to show that he's been one of the highest regarded players in the country uh, as he's been coming up through. Uh, LJ, do you want to try to workshop, not like a full lineup, but just who we think could be getting, like, you know, who, who could be at the top of this order, who could be the six significant pitchers? Ooh, um, I would love to. Could we take a day or so? Sure. Maybe come yeah. back to this tomorrow, table this for tomorrow. However, I do have one question for you. We actually talked about this over a bittersweet Monaco day breakfast today. And that is what some of these top baseball prospects could possibly look like on this Olympic team. Uh, Brandon, of course, now the qualifiers and everything are going to be coming up quite quickly, right in the middle of the college baseball world series. So you wouldn't expect to see them for this. However, you could see some of the top picks join the roster, one or two of them for the actual Olympics and be with them for that run in either a legitimate high leverage um, spot or maybe just being the last guy in the bullpen. Particularly, I think of Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. Do you think they have a legitimate chance, at least one of them, of being invited to join this team at some point? You know, I think that's a great question because, you know, I would say yes, but the more thinking that I've, that I've been doing about this, you know, it seems like most of these guys, they get drafted and then they like want to immediately send them, whether it's a ball, low a short season, rookie ball, whatever it is. It seems like that they want to send them there. I mean, obviously you're going to have to get clearance from the MLB teams and I'm not sure how hesitant or not teams are going to be up. Personally, I would love to see either Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter, um, that kid was named Jordan, Jordan the Lawless, that shortstop prospect, um, or Jordan Lawler, excuse me. Um, but 
Yeah, it's that's a great question. I honestly don't know. I think that if they do play, that would be amazing, not only for for their brand because they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be seeing everyone who is, you know, or I should say, everyone is in America is gonna be watching them, and they could become the future stars of the game and already have quite a bit of name brand recognition early if they do do something like this. Brandon, I think we will see at least one of the two pitchers. I don't think uh, Lawler's likely just because, you know, there's only a, there's a finite amount of at-bats in, especially in high competition tournaments like this, you already are going to have an established group of infielders there that you're going to struggle to move out for a guy like that. However, there's precedent for top pitching prospects to come right in and play with a national team. I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Steven Strasburg did that when he came in to the national system. You're muted. Oh, oops. Very professional. I want to say, yes, that he did do that. I'm trying to look up, like, who I'm 90 per- I'm 90% sure he played right after he got drafted or right before he got drafted for Team USA, and it helped his, like, national popularity. So I don't see how, if you're a a team that could be picking one of these guys, why you wouldn't want that. These, these two pitchers in particular – uh, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. These are guys that you're talking about as potential generational talents is basically what they've been scouted as the two of them. These are two of the best pitching prospects to come into the draft in a very long time. And they're expected to come to the majors within the next year or so after being drafted. So why would you send them to a ball when you could get them, even if it's just limited reps on a team with way more competition and give them name recognition right out the bat. I just, this is so, this is such a great opportunity for a young pitcher to grow. Even if he's just stuck in the back of the bullpen to do an inning or two here or there, it's much better for his growth. I think to be around these veterans and to be around a higher level of competition than it would be to just sit around a ball and then maybe move, be lucky to move up to double uh, A by the end of his first year. So I just looked up the Steven Strasburg thing. He was a sophomore in college playing in the Olympics. Oh, wow. So he had his sophomore year in 2008. That summer goes and plays in the Olympics for Team USA. And, uh, I mean, 20 years old, and he's in the Olympics. Uh on that roster with Jake Arietta, R.A. Dickey. Uh, some interesting names there. but Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just think I am going to heavily campaign for this the rest of the year to get at least one of them onto the actual Olympic roster. But this just – this made baseball being back in the Olympics so much more real to me, and I am so excited, Brandon. I cannot yeah. wait. Team USA, all the way, we got the gold. Hope we qualify for it. We're qualifying. We're good. All right, I have one last thing to wrap up the show. LJ and I, uh, it had to be about a week or 10 days ago, we talked about that um, account on Twitter, Ump Scorecards, 
where um, they grade the ump on each individual call that they make and you're able to see the percentage of correct and incorrect calls. Well, LJ, it was a rough day for umpire Hunter Wendelstedt in the Angels Athletics game. He missed 24 calls for a correct call percentage of only 86.2%. Oh, dear. LJ, it gets better. Hunter Wendelstedt is the son of Harry Wendelstedt, who owns the Harry Wendelstedt Umpire School. Oh, his no. Father, his father is teaching other umps. I mean, er, it's, uh, it just. You might have to change his name just for his father's sake at this point. Like, if you're going to suck, you cannot bring down your only eventual source of income. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just seems very strange to me. Now, Harry, Harry Wendelstead was an umpire just in the National League. He never once umpired an American League game from 1966 through 1998. LJ, 4,500 games. Also, wow. um, Joe West is only... 59 games away, or I'm sorry, I cannot do math right now. Hold on one second. Let me do this subtraction real quick. So Joe West is at 5,310 career umped games. The person in front of him, Bill Clem, is at 5,369. So yes, 59 more games, and Joe West will tie Bill Clem for the most umpired games ever. Uh Wow. That's pretty cool. But yeah, uh, LJ, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about or think we're good? Um, No, I think we're all set. Well, all right. Uh, Thank you for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. Make sure that you check us out on Twitter. We're at MLB Daily Pod. Make sure you check out LJ on Twitter. He's at LJ underscore VP underscore LaFiora. And I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. Thank you for listening to the only baseball podcast that we know of bringing content to you seven days out of the week and uh yeah that's gonna do it for this one thanks for listening and we will see you tomorrow have a great monday see you manana mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.